Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. Over the past few weeks, uh I've really felt led of the Holy Spirit to talk about the heart, attitudes of the heart, having a right heart. And uh even today, the whole issue of a man's heart. The Bible says that the heart of a man is exceedingly wicked and deceitful. No man can know it. And uh today as we enter into this phase, I I I believe that this message will probably speak more to us than any of the messages I've spoken so far because in this message is the key is the key that unlocks your heart and I call this the forgiving heart the forgiving heart in the book of Isaiah the 54th chapter the 14th through the 17th verse the bible says in righteousness shall thou be established thou shalt be far from oppression for thou shalt not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me saith the Lord. Now, we are living in the end of time. If it is not the end, then I can tell you this, it is much closer to the end than it was yesterday. What we're observing right now is a division taking place in the hearts and the lives of people, causing basically two factions in the world. There are those whose hearts are filled with bitterness, resentment, and hatred. Then on the other hand, there are those who are who, who whose love has actually increased and who are experiencing the power of the kingdom of God. Jesus told us that these conditions would exist. He foretold them in the book of Matthew chapter 24 verses 8 through 12, where he said, "All these are the beginning of sorrows." Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate each other and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many and because of iniquity because the iniquity shall abound the love of many some versions say the love of most shall wax cold now i've spoken about this many times and it's very serious because we're seeing those things we're seeing betrayal seditions insurrections divisions and the such like increasing not only in the world but in our marriages in our families in our businesses in governments and yes even in the church Matthew chapter 10 verse 35 and 36 says for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law and a man's foes shall they shall be they of his own household Now, even though these dark warnings are given to us in the scriptures, we just can't stop there. Let's go back to Matthew 
And let's look at what the 14th verse says. The first is pretty dire, but it says in the 14th verse, it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all nations, and then the end shall come. You see, here we see in the middle of some of the most dire and uh, striking conditions in the history of mankind, there's also a resurgence that rises up against this tide of darkness and against this evil. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all nations, and then, and then only then, shall the end come. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, it is the whole truth that Jesus came to bring into our lives. Not only the truth that he came to save us from our sins, but also that he would create us in his image. It is the full gospel with all of its requirements and all of its rewards, the full price for the full power. It is the pearl of great price. This is the most glorious thing that you and I could ever possess, the presence of God in glory revealed within us and amongst us. You see, Jesus didn't die on the cross just to give us some kind of fire insurance so that we could have heaven one day as our home. He made us into new creatures, born again to walk in the newness of the life we now live in Him and through Him. You see, those of us who will walk in the kingdom, we, we have to first of all understand that it is a kingdom of love. You know, if we're going to attain this love and if we're going to walk in it, we will continually be brought to a crossroads and we'll be forced to make a choice between mercy and unforgiveness. You see, if we choose the latter, we will most certainly become prey to an embittered spirit, an embittered heart. You know, I see many people today that are embittered. They've become uh, broken through the sin of unforgiveness. And they cannot seem to find it in their heart to let someone go. It's really hurting them more than it is the other person. I'll get to that in a minute. But we see that this is something that Jesus depicted in the parable of the wheat and tares. It is God's plan to allow wickedness and holiness to grow simultaneously to full maturity. This is a picture of what is happening in our world today. There's an increase in lawlessness around the world. And because of that, you and I have to keep a guard on our hearts against reacting in bitterness and reacting in unforgiveness. There's many occasions in our lives presented to us on a daily basis for you and I to lose our love. And there's a tendency for you and I to withdraw from the vulnerability of love just to survive in this perilous world. You see, we unconsciously shut down love to counter our pain. But in so doing, we also shut down the very thing that makes us vulnerable to other people. We cannot choose selective, cautious love and at the same time walk in the power of God's kingdom. See, God is looking for a people whose love is growing hot, not cold and lukewarm. I don't believe we have to trust our enemies. <laughs> I don't trust many people. There's lots of people that I have been hurt and bruised by, and I, I don't trust them. Trust is earned, but I do have to love them. You see, the truth be told, God often uses our enemies and the difficulties that they bring into our lives to act as a test, to test us. Ask yourself the question, has your Christianity 
become an academic pursuit? Or is your Christianity one that is following Jesus and has a high passion? You're following him from the deep residue of something in your heart. Matthew 5 says it this way, verses 43 and 44. You've heard that it has been said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. <laughs> Boy, I can tell you, in my own life, I have uh, I felt a lot of pain. I've had some betrayal. And when I have felt the pain of being rejected or being betrayed, it led me to want to shrink back. In fact, I often felt like I had failed. Now, many years later, with perfect 2020 hindsight, that's a hindsight vision that can see clearly my past, I realized that I really didn't fail. I actually passed the test. Forgiving and loving those who have caused you pain and it hurt you, is the test. Many of us still carry certain individuals in our hearts and minds that we have not forgiven and we don't love. We may have many good reasons why they don't deserve our love or our forgiveness. And this morning I want you to consider what the consequence or the consequences of your anger and your unforgiveness might be in the spiritual dimension. You see, when we refuse to forgive someone, part of us is trapped in the past or held by the pain of the memory of the transgression or the transgressor. This is often evident in people's lives as the month or the day on the calendar approaches or arrives. There's a foreboding, a, a depression or a sorrow that overtakes their soul. In fact, there are many people who have clinical battles and cyclical battles with feelings that have seemed to grasp them and overtake them. And uh, when they start thinking about those things, those feelings are tied to an event or a time of year or even a day or an hour that the occurrence happened. You see, the power of the event has already passed, but the conflict continues to live. You see, as long as it is alive, we are still being hurt by it. Our hearts and our minds can harbor unforgiveness to the point that we cannot enjoy our present life. What someone did to us is over. It's done. Its real existence now only really exists in our minds. In fact, the person who wounded you may have even died. You can't keep blaming other people because it's you. You're the one who is keeping the wound alive or the wounds in some people's cases. You see, to the degree that we allow unforgiveness in our lives is the degree that the quality of our spiritual life is affected. And when our spiritual life is affected, and often there's a direct correlation to our physical well-being as well, we have to look at, is it worth it? You see, as long as you keep holding on to the burden of what someone did to you, you place your mind and your body under stress. And that's stress that you were never meant to carry. God never meant us to live under that kind of stress. As you and I hold on to unforgiveness, we begin to lose a measure of our capacity to love. Now, now whether the person deserves forgiveness or not is really not the issue. 
The issue is you really deserve a better life. And God wants you to have a better life. But we cannot enjoy the abundant life while we're caring about unforgivenesses in our heart. Unforgiveness binds us to the person who hurt us. And our act of unforgiveness is a torture to our own soul. God has made it possible for us to get out of the prison of torment, and He calls us to do so by forgiveness, by forgiving. As you forgive or release the offense or the sin or the person who has hurt or violated you, you yourself are released. Listen to what John says. Jesus said this in the book of John. He says, Whoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whoever sins you retain, they are retained. You know, one of my uh, mentors taught me about that. He says, you know, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, you retain. And he taught us about the law of release. You know, if, if, if you're holding on to something and you're not forgiving, it's, it's attached to you. You're, it, it, it's yours. You own it. It's kind of the issue of, hey, if you're going to handle this, it's no longer God's ability to handle it. He, it's in your hands. But when we forgive, in the same manner we forgive, we are forgiven. And as we forgive, as we practice the law of release, guess what? That thing falls off of our life. It falls away. And the power of it is not there anymore. You see, once you forgive... You are now free to reach out to God and experience the supernatural. And He'll do a work in your heart and life. And He'll use adversity to perfect your character in you. You'll become more Christ-like. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Boy, I love that picture of Him of us, when we cast our cares on Him, when we say, hey, I can't bear this, we take it to the cross or we roll it over on Him, it says, He'll care for you. And I need the care of God in my life. I don't know how you, about you, but I, I, I know this. When I don't cast my care on Him, when I'm carrying all the cares of this world, I get stressed out. Now, as I cast my care on Him, I have someone caring for me. You see, when you and I choose the love walk, Whenever we choose to love and choose to forgive and choose not to hold unforgiveness, bitterness, and ought in our heart against someone, we're being Christ-like. We're taking on Christ's nature. Now, understand that this is cause for rejoicing because Jesus is taking command of your heart. He's taking command of your life. Love is our highest motivation. In a world where the love of most is growing cold, this attribute will make you and I, as Christ's disciples, stand out, just like Jesus did in the time that He walked the earth. He was different than all the others. Jesus stood out, and the people marveled. They said, this man speaks with authority. He's not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he, there's something different about this guy. And uh, the Bible says that His gentleness made Him great. Jesus was the exact image of God. When he walked on the earth, he portrayed what God was like. The Bible says he was the firstborn of many brethren. Guess who the many brethren are? It's you and I. We're supposed to also walk the way he walked. 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, 
for God is love. Well, let me tell you something. If we really know God, and this uh, word know, by the way, the word know is a sense of intimate knowledge. It's the picture of a husband and a wife knowing each other in intercourse. That's what it really means. That, it's that intimate. It's not a head knowledge. It's not knowing about God. Or you know, Sometimes people know about their wives, but they don't know their wives. You see, it's the same way with God. If we don't know God intimately, then we're not portraying Him. When we have this kind of love, it begins to do work in our lives. This is the very hallmark of a believer. This is what sets us apart from the world. Love for one another and love for God. It goes on in 1 John 4, 16 and 17, it says, and We have known and believed the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, that's a, that's a mouthful, that's a powerful scripture. He says, but if we have God and God is in us and we're in God, he says, and if we love with that love is in us, he says, we're like him in this world. And we don't need to fear judgment. On the day of judgment, we're going to be like him. We're going to be seen in him. We're going to be in Christ. And that's what God's doing. God is working in you to portray Christ to the world. You see, again, we see the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts is causing us to be like He is. Not in heaven someday, but in this world now, today. We're living in a time of great tribulation. In fact, the Bible warns of a great tribulation coming, the great tribulation. The great tribulation, and even in the day we're living in now, is a time when the occult and the demonic will rise to such a point that demon-possessed people will do their demonic activity openly and be applauded for their acts. Uh, there's going to be conflicts, and we see them already, in local and global spheres that they'll not be able to be described in any other way than having been inspired by devils. It's in this atmosphere that you and I are to find and manifest the life of Christ, the love of God. The meaning of the word tribulation, and especially that great tribulation, is the word pressure. More and more people are feeling the effects of increased stress, increased pressure on their lives. Many are now disconnecting from God and are allowing their hearts to grow cold. Many are trying to find another way. They, they kind of figured some philosophy out, uh, the philosophies of the East or some kind of a, uh, their own idea, something that comforts them in their own thinking. And, and they've turned away from God. They've turned away from God. The Bible said there would be a great falling away. It grieves me to see people I knew one time that were on fire for God, hot for God, and then I can see their hearts turning cold. The love of most is growing cold. In spite of all these distresses and tensions, God has called you and I to love extravagantly. If we do not counteract the stress and the pressure of this age with love, you and I are going to crumble beneath the weight of offenses. If we don't learn to yield to the power of the love of God, the force and the pressure from the outside will be out of equilibrium with what we can bear on the inside. And we will collapse under the pressure. You know, when I 
did uh, scuba diving. I had to learn how to keep the equilibrium right. As you go down, it puts pressure on your body, and so you would have to blow out with your, through your mask and into your nose to equalize, to equalize. The pressure of the water, the pressure under, on, on, underneath that water would cause great pressure on your body. In fact, you could only go so far down uh, before you really suffer great damage in your body. And even when you come up, you have to stop at intervals to decompress, or you'll get what's called the bends. The pressure can collapse your lungs. The pressure can cause great damage to your body. Well, you're out of equilibrium, and you can equalize for a while. We go down to about 100 feet, but uh, below that, you have to have special training. And if you go very deep, then it, it's, it's a long process to get out. And you can only stay down for a little while. You can't stay under that pressure. And so uh, we must fill ourselves with the love of God so that we can neutralize the pressures of hatred and bitterness that are in this world. Love is what God uses to preserve our souls and to overcome the power of the devil and the world. Love is what keeps the equilibrium balanced. Love is what insulates us from the hostility that exists in this world. Love. The key to walking in the love walk is to be full of the Word of God. The Word of God is what causes you to be able to walk in love. We can only be kept and preserved to the degree that we're willing to walk in obedience to the Word of God. We find protection for our souls. And by the way, our souls is our mind, will, and emotions. Many, many people don't understand the tripartite nature of man. You are a spirit. Now, you have to understand that your spirit man is important to God, and your, your spirit man is what sustains you. But you also have a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And uh, you have to feed your soul in order to feed your spirit. Whatever you feed your soul. Now, if you feed your soul from your body, from your flesh, the fleshly man lusts. The fleshly man has appetites and desires. The Bible says we're to submit our bodies, put our bodies under, to make our bodies obey our spirit man. So there's a war going on, and your soul determines. So if the only way to renew your soul or renew your mind and your will and your emotions is to submit to the will of God, to obey the Word of God. And when we do that, when we, we, then we, we begin to find that protection, our protection for our souls, when we submit our wills and our emotions and our mind to the will of God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1-4 through four says it this way, I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Boy, there's, there's a great message. We see that abiding in the word of God and having the word of God abide in us is what causes us to overcome the wicked one and the wickedness of this age. There is a truth in this that we have got to grasp. You see, because today I see many people who are able to spend eight, nine, sometimes ten hours on their social media. But they're not coping in their lives. Their marriages are suffering, their families are hurting, their love is growing cold. Could it be that if we were spending time abiding in the Word of God, we would then have the power to overcome? We need overcoming power in our lives. John chapter 10 says it this way in verses 27 and 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Well, if we are in the Father's hand, <laughs> there's no safer place than that. How many of you know if you're in the palm of God, that's a pretty safe place to be. He's going to keep you. And the Bible says, as we follow Christ, He places us in the Father's hand. There's no battle that's too great for God. And we as believers should be confident that we will never face anything in this life alone. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath His everlasting arms. And He shall thrust out the enemy from before you, and shall say, Destroy them. I love that verse of Scripture. The Lord is my protector. You see, we are protected in Christ. We are guarded by His Word. Even when we pass through the shadow of death itself, the valley of the shadow of death, the powers of death can't hold us. In fact, you know, there's a Scripture that says that He makes our enemies bread for us. See, God didn't intend us to be overwhelmed. He meant us to eat our enemies, to destroy them. He's going to keep us. He's going to hold us. He's going to protect us. He's going to help us. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 8, 51 says, Truly, truly, I say to you that if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Well, I don't know. These promises are so powerful. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. We shall never see death. It seems almost too fantastic to believe. And we know that this is speaking of his resurrection power in our lives. This doesn't mean that we won't die. It means, however, that we will see life. If we choose to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it's not death to us, but life. And that's not just ordinary life, it's Zoe life, it's abundant life. Listen to how Jesus described it in Luke 21, verses 16 and 18. He says, And you shall be betrayed, both by parents and brethren, kinsfolk and friends, and some of you, shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. Does that sound strange to you? We may be put to death, but not even a hair on our head shall perish? Isn't death the cessation of life? If someone dies of illness, isn't that the end of their life? Well, in Christ, every darkened and every shadowy valley that we are led into during this life. The Bible says we end up passing through that valley into the field of life. We taste death, but we don't see it. Psalm 23, you know this, verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, as frightening as death may seem, for those of us who are abiding in the Word of God, death is not a barrier, <sighs> for that matter, nor is it to be feared. We all know that the flesh part of us, our bodies, will die. The husk 
of our old nature will give way to the inner man, that spirit man, that spirit and soul that's being renewed daily by Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. See, we're confident that resurrection power is working on the inside of us and that it is affected both now and for our future, for eternity. God, by His Word and through His Holy Spirit, is helping us to walk in Christ, that is, to walk in love through the difficulties and the challenges and even the persecutions of this life, knowing that ultimately this gives way to eternal life. Because of this, you and I can, like the Apostle Paul, be thankful. Be thankful to God. We talked about that last week, having a thankful heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Who always leads us in His triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. There's that word knowledge again. You know, if you really know God, and God really knows you, if you are in Him and He's in you, if you're abiding in Him and He's abiding in you and His Word's in you and you're in His Word, guess what? There's a sweet aroma that comes out of you. There's a sweet aroma of the knowledge of God. And, and, and that love is what's in you. You're exuding what's in you. You see, as we remain strong in Christ, in spite of our failures, our sicknesses, difficulties, and yes, even the many faces of death that we might face here on earth, we have this hope, the hope of the word of life that's on the inside of us. And it says this, in 1 John 5, 18, it says, The Lord keeps us, and the evil one does not touch us. Hebrews 2, 15 says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, I, I think of how many people I've met during this coronavirus who are fearful. The coronavirus isn't killing them. The fear... The fear of death, the fear of dying. The fear, you know, what, what, what could be worse than dying? Huh, I'll tell you what, the worst thing is dying without Christ. Dying for eternity, being separated from God the rest of your life. But you have to understand something. That death isn't to be feared. Not the death of this fleshly body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you're only contained in this body. This body's going to pass away one day. We're all have that in common. We're all going to die. We just don't know the hour, the day, or the time. But God promises us long life. God promises us all kinds of things if we'll walk with Him. But remember this. For those of us in Christ, there's going to come a time that we're going to be seeing our lives. We're going to be seeing things from the vantage point of heaven. And we're going to review our lives, and we're going to begin to review our experiences. We will then, from that viewpoint, the viewpoint of heaven, See the enemies that were once arrayed against us and their plans for our demise and our destruction. I think it's going to be in the moments of our greatest temptations and our greatest battles that we will see that there was resurrection power that led us through the valley of the shadow of death. We're going to find out that His power revealed in us and through us and allowed us to live and not die and learn to fear no evil. And from that, from that vantage point, that heavenly vantage point, we're going to uh, 
Say like others who have gone before us. I have never seen death. Now, there are many of you who are afraid. You're afraid to die. There are many who are also afraid of death. So much that they've stopped living. Unforgiveness is not living. Unforgiveness is a slow death. It is fear of someone else or something else that has somehow taken control and is leeching the life out of our souls. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. The Bible says that perfect love drives out all fear. The Bible also says that fear has torment. Unforgiveness is the perfect torment. And it's drying up someone's bones right now this morning. I can feel it. Make a decision today to repent of unforgiveness. Choose to walk the love walk. Think of the person this morning that hurt you so deeply or that you hold unforgiveness for, bitterness or hatred. Make a decision right now. Make a decision this morning to forgive. First of all, forgive that person from your heart. If they're still alive, take time. Call that person. And release them. Release them from the thing that you've been holding on to. Whose sins you retain, you retain. Whose sins you remit are remitted. Whose sins you release are released. They're released from you. They no longer have that strong hold over you. If you're listening to this message this morning and somehow you say, man, that's me. Look, you may be right at the threshold of needing to accept Jesus into your life. Many people don't know how to become a living spirit. They don't know how to be born again. The Bible said you must be born again. To be born again means that the Apostle Paul said, if we would confess with our mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we would believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, that we would be saved. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus said, as he went around preaching, he said, tell everybody to repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Today I'm calling you to repent. Repentance simply means, hey, I can see that I'm going in the wrong direction. I need God in my life. If you've never asked God in your life, Repent and confess and pray. Ask him to come into your heart. In fact, if you're listening right now, pray this prayer with me. Put your hand on your heart and say, I do need God. Say this out loud. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I am undone without you. I am full of bitterness, guilt, fear. I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid to live. But today, I'm asking you, to give me newness of life, that you would forgive me of my sin, that you would come into my heart, that you would release me from the bondage of my past, the bondage of the sin of Adam, the sin of mankind. Jesus, come into my heart. Take control of my life. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Amen. You know, it's just that easy. If you really meant that, if you really say that, that's the beginning stage of your walk with God. God will do a great work. He says you, by confessing him as Lord, as you accepting him as your Lord and Savior in your heart, he makes you a new creature. Now old things will pass away and all things will become new. If you, if you, if you prayed that prayer, 
There's a phone number on the screen. Well, I would, it'd be helpful for you, but I, I would like to know. And if you'll phone that number, there's somebody on the other end of that line that can talk to you, that will help you find a way to find some discipleship, find a way to begin to grow, to, to, to begin to understand what you just did. There's cell groups, there's uh, men's groups, there's women's groups, there's uh, all kinds of things. There's things for children, there's things for young adults. We have, we have all kinds of programs and, and things that we can help you with to get started. But most of all, there's somebody right on that phone right now that can get you on the first steps, help you get a Bible in your hand, and get moving for God. Call that number. Maybe there's someone else today and you're saying, man, pastor, I don't even know how to forgive. I'm so bound up. I'm so broken. Well, again, you can use that same phone line. Phone one of the people on that line and have them pray with you. Have them build you up in your faith so that you can make those steps, so you can forgive, so you can phone a person and release them, so you can be set free. There's somebody there that will help you. We love you as a church and as a ministry. Our desire is that you find a church home. Uh, we're coming back. We're meeting in our building again, and uh, we believe we'll continue to grow and continue to do that. But we're also going to be right here online every week. I want to encourage you. Find fellowship. Get into a church. Come and visit us. Or at least get into a cell group. Phone that number. Let somebody pray with you. Let somebody help you. We love you and we'll see you again next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.